MSW Media. The rule of law is not just some lawyer's turn of phrase. It is the very foundation of our democracy. The essence of the rule of law is that like cases are treated alike. That there not be one rule for Democrats and another for Republicans, one rule for the powerful, another for the powerless, one rule for the rich and another for the poor, or different rules depending upon one's race or ethnicity. To serve as Attorney General at this critical time is a calling I am honored and eager to answer. So yeah, now it's clean up on aisle 45 time. And for a long while yet, it is going to be clean up on aisle 45. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 27 of Clean Up on Aisle 45. It's Wednesday, July 21st. I am your co-host, Allison Gill. And with me, as always, is Andrew Torres. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Allison. Thank you so much. I am really, really looking forward to our show today, which we cover, you know, perhaps the most significant day for Attorney General Merrick Garland's Department of Justice. It's big day. (laughs) Yeah, but first we do have to thank our patrons, by the way. Because they are supporting us. They're making this show happen. And they're doing it over at patreon.com slash aisle45pod. That's aisle45pod for as little as a dollar an episode. So thank you to our patrons. Uh, I'm here for Jordan's angry scream yell. Uh, Amidst the mists and coldest frosts with stoutest wrists and loudest boasts. (laughs) Justin, Justin McBride. And... Subscribenstein, Subscribenstein's monster? <laughs> Frankenstein. Uh, Frau yeah, and, and you can tell who assigned the names because I'd like to thank Jonathan. Uh, oh, Heteralissimo Hugo Chavez is still dead. Uh, Siege McSheen. And, and this is the full name, if I pay a dollar an episode, will Andrew buy a travel microphone? <laughs> so, so look, I need to explain. Uh, not only do I have a travel microphone and preamp box and all of the equipment necessary to record on the road, uh, but sadly, uh, I had my audacity set to record from the laptop mic. So the reason that I sounded like I was doing last uh, week's show from like the inside of a tunnel somewhere is because it was a shitty laptop mic. It's 100% my fault. I forgot to check the box. And it uh, won't happen again. My apologies. That's on me. Uh, if you'd like to register your displeasure or otherwise make fun of my audio quality through a one-line Patreon name, you can head over to patreon.com slash aisle45pod. That's A-I-S-L-E-4-5-P-O-D. Come on, do it. You know, we're we're playing a fun game over on the Daily Beans during the Good News segment where people tell us how dumb Louis Gomert is. <laughs> so you can you can do that. You know, you could sign up as that. I mean, it's I'm having this is almost this is like better than uh, trivia pub trivia team names. I mean, these are good. So thank you. I appreciate that from everyone. Very creative group of folks. Okay, now on to the A block. Uh, we begin with the first felony sentencing in connection with the 1-6 insurrection, Paul Hodgkins, who pled guilty to obstructing Congress's efforts to tabulate and certify the electoral vote, which is important, that'll come in handy, uh, and received eight months in prison. Hodgkins breached the Senate chamber wearing a Trump t-shirt and carrying a Trump 2020 flag, which he saluted in the rotunda. While Mm -hmm. Hodgkins insists he was not part of any organized group, Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, Three Percenters, uh, the prosecution noted in his deal that he came to the insurrection with latex gloves, a backpack containing protective eye goggles, and rope as he made his way to the Senate floor, so like an insurrection kit. So, Andrew, the question on everyone's minds seems to be, doesn't this seem a little light? I So, look, I can understand why a lot of people would think that. Um, but but no, this is exactly the kind of sentence you should expect from somebody who's pled guilty to 18 U.S.C. 1512 C2, which is the top line felony that Hodgkins was charged with. Right. That is obstruction of an official proceeding. It's an obstruction of justice offense. It's on a par with uh, with something like witness tampering. Right. Um, this is a federal it's a federal crime. So we go to the federal sentencing guidelines. And remember that judges have very little discretion once you're talking about applying the guidelines. Yeah, but um, 
I mean, that's the matrix that puts you in columns based on your prior offense history and then assigns a severity level to the offense that you've committed. And you just look up where you are in the table. Um, and that's the range the judge can assign. So where does a first time offender for obstructing an official proceeding like and, and you know, not just your old run of the mill official proceeding here? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it, it, if you're asking, should 500 people be charged with, you know, fomenting a rebellion? Uh, you know, I mean, we've we've covered that rather extensively on the show. Um 1512C2 just has official proceeding. And yes, like the committee meeting to declare, you know, August 3rd uh, National Gumdrop Day, right, counts as much as counting the votes for the presidency. So look, like I get it. I, I do get it. So uh, let me answer your question. Uh, this is section 2J1.1 of the sentencing guidelines. So you go there and they establish the baseline offense level of 14. Okay. Um, and remember, the offense column runs from 1 to 43. 14 is right on that edge. It's the first crime to fall into zone D. You'll want to put a pin in that, uh, which is the, the range of sentences that are only um, capable of being fulfilled by, uh, by prison time. Right. So uh, 15 to 21 months in jail. That's what that's what a base level of 14 gets you. But in this case, the judge knocked off three levels of of, uh, of of the offense two for acceptance of responsibility and one more for pleading early and not using the state's resources in going to trial. Right. So if Hodgkins had not pled, he'd be looking at 15 to 21 months in jail. Almost always, by the way, uh, just because our prisons are so overcrowded when you have a 15 to 21 month, you get 15 months, right? Like judges sentence at, at the, the minimum end of that. So he'd be looking at twice as much time. Right. Um, but when you drop down to an offense level of 11, that puts you in the box that says 8 to 14 months. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> I don't like this. I know you're skeptical. <laughs> we'll, 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 do it. we'll get there. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, wh what about the aggravating factors? That this was an overthrow of attempted overthrow of democracy? I mean, like, uh, and, and you know, the, the prosecutors recommended 18 months. Um, but, I mean, let's check out, first of all, let's talk about the acceptance of responsibility bit. Uh, that's not just pleading guilty. Otherwise, everyone would get it. So uh, yeah. as I understand it, you have to clearly demonstrate acceptance of responsibility for his offense to the court. And he gave a pretty good speech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, well, you know, I'm having trouble with the 10 minute rambling, rambling screed Hodgkin said <laughs> as meeting that level, though. Uh, he did express contrition, like I said, but he, you know, like I, I call it a pretty good speech. Um, right, right. Yeah, I knew what you meant by that. Yeah, because he also did the I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything was doing that anything that bad thing. Yeah. Um, and here, let's quote from his statement. He says, while I take some solace in knowing my actions did not involve any violent or reckless behavior, <laughs> uh, my involvement did contribute to the great problem that took place. The company of us who remained calmer in our protests may have emboldened others to carry out the destruction that occurred. Uh, yeah, and he's waving a goddamn Trump flag while walking through the, the, the well of the Senate, right? Mm. So I, I, I agree. If I'm Judge Moss, I don't know that's enough standing alone, but I, I think it's the next sentence that, that, that really is key. Oh, oh, you mean the thing where he said, I he said, I completely acknowledge and accept that Joseph R. Biden Jr., his full <laughs> name, is rightfully the president of the United States? So you, <laughs> Yeah. So you think? Do you think that though is going to be the dividing line? If these idiots can, you know, allocute as to the offense, show some contrition, and say, "Yeah, Biden is the real president," they'll wind up maybe in the same place. And isn't that still the minimum sentence for level eleven? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it, really, really good points. Let's let's parse them out. So one, I I think as you've described it, that that is exactly right in terms of future defendants. Right? There are hundreds of these right now, as we you and I have talked about, that have either pled out or are pending plea deals. Right? They've all been arrested. Um, they're they're in the hopper, uh, and and this is how that's going to sort out. Right? Um, and number two, I think. Uh, Again, I, I would push back at the notion that the judge went completely soft on Hodgkin. So let me let me explain. This is that pin on the zone D thing that I talked about earlier, right? Mm -hmm. So 
the levels 1 to 43 are also divided into zones, right? Um, and if you're a first-time offender, and they, they, there's a staggered little thing that goes up. That, but the important thing is, if you're a first-time offender, levels 1 to 8 are zone A. Levels 9 to 11 are zone B. Levels 12 and 13 are zone C, and everything else is zone D. So, And the significance is, if you're in a zone D offense, you can only be sentenced to prison, like I said, right? But if you drop into zone C... B or A, you can get alternative sentences, right? You can get probation. You can get a split sentence where you serve half the time in a halfway house, right? Uh, you can get a suspended sentence, right? Um, so, so that's what Hodgkins did. He dropped from D to B, and his lawyers absolutely argued uh, that he should get no prison time, right? That he should sentence him to eight to 14 months, but have it be a suspended sentence, right? I'm sure they made all the arguments in the alternative. Um, and and he did not get it, right? The judge said, no, no, uh, you're you're doing time. You're, you're going to prison for your role in being on the floor of the Senate during an insurrection to prevent the, the United States Senate from certifying the electoral results of the, the presidency of the United States. That, that, that is significant. I would push back. Well, you know, the other there were two other sentences that have been handed down in connection with yeah. one six that were both just probationary. Although those defendants pled guilty only to misdemeanors. That's the first felony, right? Yeah. Um, Indiana resident Anna Morgan Lloyd was sentenced to three years probation for demonstrating in the rotunda. While Florida resident Michael Curzio was sentenced <laughs> to six months on a similar charge. Now, Curzio wound up in jail because of his prior history. He had a previous conviction for attempted murder and ties to a white supremacist prison gang. Uh, he, that, those guys were just recently indicted. Uh, 16 of that, of those gang, that those gang yeah. members in Florida were just indicted. Uh, he was kept in jail on the capital related charges. Uh, he was scheduled to be released last week. So this um, blueprint we can look forward to for everyone who, who pled guilty with the insurrection, because I, I you know, you make a very good argument here, but I still think that this is a, a, a light sentence. Yeah, it, it, again, I understand. Um, so so let's let's bracket everything out here. So first, you absolutely have massively aggravating factors and higher offenses. Right. And it's clear from the guidelines for those people who used violence uh, or who had or used deadly weapons in connection with the insurrection. Right. So, you know pepper spray guy. I, we're not even talking about, you know, people who were proximately uh, uh, related to uh, involved in uh, the deaths of the uh, officers or the or the one protester. Right. So bracket all of that out. Those cases are going to get tried or pled out separately. They are going to be your most watched cases. Right. Um, but as far as we can tell from defense counsel who have spoken to the press. Right. It looks like the word coming out of the DOJ is this. If you didn't use force, if you didn't have a deadly weapon, if you weren't you know, part of the instigators, uh, then the question is, did you breach the floor of the Senate or not? Right. So in the words of Hodgkin's lawyer, Patrick Leduc, uh, you simply stopped at the Senate door. That means you got a misdemeanor plea agreement. Uh, but if you crossed over onto the floor of the Senate, <laughs> Uh, you you have to plead out to a felony. Um, and, 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 and again, I, I want to be clear that what Moss did here is not binding on any other defendant. Right. These they will all be sentenced separately. Yeah. Uh, but but it's it, it is like you're right. Right. I hear I heard your voice. Right. Like it, it, It's likely to be very, very instructive for future judges. Um, and, and again, I, I want to point out like um, two, two things with respect to the first not an alternative sentence. And so I do not think like the default is going to be these folks are not going to get probation. They're not going to get suspended sentences, no matter how, you know, teary eyed they get of like, well, it was just, you know, my crazy girlfriend made me go out. And went, you know, that's not going to fly. Um, and by the way, um, pleading guilty to a felony can have a lot of adverse mm. consequences. Yeah. So, you know, one hilariously perverse one is that if Trump runs again in 2024, Florida man Paul Hodgkins will only be able to vote for Donald Trump thanks to the tireless efforts of the liberal left for passing sweeping legislation in Florida, restoring with an asterisk the right of felons uh, to, to vote. Uh, and that, of course, was an initiative that Trump 
opposed. So yeah, Gotta yeah. With, with all the criminals in his enterprise, yeah, it, that was a weird thing for him to oppose. I'm like, what are you talking about? You don't want felons to vote. That's like all your friends. That's that's your base. Yeah. Um. And you know, speaking of Hodgkin's lawyer, he pulled a ridiculous stunt in closing arguments. By the way, and I wanted to know what you thought of this because I immediately thought of you. So this guy, Patrick Leduc. You think with a financial statement like this, you can have the duck? That's all I can think of. You can have the chicken. You can have the chicken. John, John, John Luke Picard is a yep. fantastic role there. Anyway, my, my one of my all-time favorite movies and yours too. So, yep, anyway, my favorite, my favorite love story. Uh, the best, the best, the best romantic comedy ever. L.A. Story. L.A. Story. I recommend everybody watch it. Okay, oh. so Leduc said that he's a colonel in the Army Reserve and then tried to pull the First Amendment defense. Uh. Paul Hodgkins is not my enemy. All of this commentary about January 6th being an act of domestic terrorism, I find it to be offensive. And I think it's gaslighting the country and it needs to stop. It was a protest that became a riot. If we're going to label this protest as domestic terrorism, then consider this. Where do we draw that line? At domestic terrorism, asshole. Okay. (sighs) If the Capitol riot is domestic terrorism, riots in Minneapolis and Portland should also be categorized the same way. Uh, yeah, because they were trying to prevent the president, for the lawfully elected president. For, and, all right. Anyway, um, yeah. look, yeah, it was super ugly. OK, uh, and, and ugly, uh, not just on its face, but but for, for two other reasons. Right. So so first, uh, false. Right. Like we can we could go through it line by line that. But uh, I'm not going to insult our listeners. But second, lawyers are not supposed to personally advocate for their clients in their closing arguments, right? We, we, our ethics manual is not super thick, right? Like there's a lot of stuff that's shady, that's on the line that we can do, that we can get away with in the name of zealous advocacy. But one of the things that is very plainly prohibited is saying, I'm a member of the U.S. Army and I know insurrection when I see it. And this was no insurrection. You can't do that. You are prohibited by the by the ethics rules from from making uh, that kind of personal verification uh, in your closing statements. And um, I, I'd love to see Leduc uh, referred for sanctions for that. He won't be, but uh, he should. Um, uh, and, 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 and I do want to add that, by the way, that that, that um, Judge Moss uh, was having none of that. Um, <laughs> he, he said, quote, I don't think any plausible argument can be made defending what happened in the Capitol as an exercise of First Amendment rights. There were people storming through the halls of the Capitol saying, where's Nancy? People were threatening the lives of members of Congress. That is more than a simple riot. And I I would encourage all of our listeners to become very familiar with that language. Develop a one-liner for yourself because... It's about to get we're going to talk about it in the next segment. It's about to get way worse. And Uncle Frank's the right wingers of this world are about to say like, oh, well, you know, we got our riots. You got your Black Lives Matter. And let's, you know, let's throw the whole thing out. Uh, and and that is it's a grotesque false equivalency. And uh, and it's oh, yeah, like like we're somehow even Stephen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. Uh, I do want to ask you about the significance of the charge he pled guilty to, because I think, you know, I talked to Glenn Kirshner mm-hmm. earlier in the week who told me a story about when he was prosecuting someone for a conspiracy. The guy wouldn't, uh, tur- you know, turn in his his other buddies. So what they did was they had him plead guilty to a charge, just one charge of conspiracy. They gave him a deal, but the charge was conspiracy. And by putting him on the stand and saying, didn't you plead guilty to conspiracy with that? You know, conspiracies can't be one guy. You know, I feel like having them plead, having this guy plead guilty to obstruction of an official congressional proceeding means that it was an insurrection, right? I think it can be used as a building block as Glenn uh, so eloquently put it, to charge people up the chain of command. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's, you know, this isn't a a guilty plea for trespassing or violent entry. I mean, it's for obstructing an official inquiry, a a congressional thing, right? And so I think that that has a lot, I think that goes a long way to say that I feel like it was strategic, and and that's more what they were trying to get out of this than anything else. Was yeah, that, I, that plea for that that particular count? I think I think that's a that's a really really excellent point, and I, and I've been trying to downplay the language of the statute because I, I'm 
I'm defending, you know, eight months in prison. Um, but but let's go back to that uh, 18 U.S.C. 1512 C2. It says the criminal offense here is whoever corruptly otherwise obstructs, influences or impedes any official proceeding or attempts to do so shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. Right. And 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 as I said, when when, when I say that this is in uh, an obstruction of justice uh, category of offenses, that includes things like witness intimidation by use of force. Right. Killing a witness to a trial. Right. Like that. that these these are all the same category of offenses. Right. So, you know, did, did this guy plead guilty to, you know, killing someone? No. Uh, but he pled guilty to to something that is in that same neighborhood. Right. That that mm-hmm. that is that is viewed and and treated by the sentencing guidelines as uh, the same category of obstruction of justice offenses. So, yeah, I, I think right. that's right. And, so. it, and it also uh, presumes Trump's defense is a lie. Yes, right. It's and, a, it is an official proceeding. It is not like a hijacking by the Q, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. He, they, he said, go over there, stop them from doing this. You know, that's and that's what they did. And I thought it was also of note that that uh, Hodgkins said, I did this because Trump told me to. I agree. Um, and I think that those very two significant things, you know, everyone's yelling like, why aren't they going after the, the, the you know, the insiders, the leaders, the generals? Uh, they aren't there yet in the investigation, honestly. Um, but I think that, that this kind of plea uh, deal and this kind of charge and what he probably was told he had to say <laughs> during his, oh, during oh. his statement uh, in order to meet the requirements of having this one only one count against him, I think, is very significant uh, for future uh, investigations. You are you are a hundred percent correct on that, and I and, and I want to. You reminded me of something I I wanted to add while what, what you were tell, say, telling the story. Um, you must, as you said it earlier, and I just want to make it clear for all the listeners: when you plead guilty to a crime, you must allocute as to each and every element of the offense. You have to say, "I did that." So so in doing so, Hodgkins says. Uh, I corruptly, I agree that I was corrupt in my motivation and my intention. I agree that this was an official proceeding. I agree that I did attempt to obstruct it. Right. Um, and, and, uh, and you work that, you, you work that language out down to the comma between the prosecutor and the defendant, uh, before you sign off on the deal. Um, so, so that is, that is absolutely correctly. And, and, and the last point, um, I, I know we're over time on the segment, but, uh, but the last thing I, I wanted to add in, in conjunction with that is, um, the point you made, which is in order to build a case against the Oath Keepers, three percenters, proud boys, insurrectionists, the leaders of, of this, this movement, you, you have to clear the decks. You've got to get, you know, you can't have 500 of these trials. Right. Um, and, and, and as we saw, right, like if, uh, if Hodgkins had gone to trial and lost, right. And they had proven a, I mean, it would be a year from now, uh, and B, he would be in that 15 to 21 months category, which means 15 months. So, so ask yourself, do you want 300 more trials to give each of these people seven more months? Um, that 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 does not seem a smart use of, of judicial and uh, prosecutorial resources to me is not and it's not going to happen. I mean, whether whether it seems smart or not, it's not going to happen. So that's why uh, we are where we are today. Yeah. Kind of one of the reasons I'm upset about the sentencing. I feel like these future defendants are going to be like, no, you know what? Take me to trial. Eight months. Ugh. I mean, it'll have to be explained to him that that's not how it's going to work out for you if you don't. Bleed. Yes, yes, that's right. That is right. <laughs> uh, but uh, it seems like the summary here is if you were involved in the insurrection and the attempted violent overthrow of our government, if you breached the Senate floor, but if you didn't personally damage any property or hurt anyone or any other person or carry a weapon, you're going to get a felony plea deal with less than a year in prison. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, turds. I don't like it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I understand. I understand. You're allowed not to like it. No, sir. I don't like it. Um, All right. We'll be right back with with more information and more cleanup stuff, and it's going to be a good B block. So I'm looking forward to it. Everybody stick around. Hey, everybody. It's Allison. Thanks for listening to Clean Up on Aisle 45. The world is racing to get back to normal, and everybody's rushing to meet up in person again, but we have the Delta variant to deal with. After the year we've had, getting back to feeling normal can take time. 
Personally, I found it both exhilarating and stressful going back out into the world, even though I'm a huge extrovert. And I'm trying to remember to prioritize my mental health during this time. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by it all, you are not alone. And it's important to know you're not alone. And it's also important to ask for help and find support you need to face those feelings and move forward. For me, it's all about efficiency. So my go-to is the Talkspace Therapy app. Talkspace makes it easy to connect with your licensed therapist on your schedule at your convenience without having to wait for weeks before your next appointment or sitting in traffic or sitting in a crowded waiting room. You get convenient live video sessions all from the comfort of your phone, and you can do it from anywhere and take your therapist with you. Talkspace therapists help you develop tools to cope in difficult times, whether you're experiencing depression, anxiety, or just having a hard day. Talkspace therapists are experts in dozens of specialties to help you start feeling better. Talkspace offers support for individual and couples therapy in addition to medication prescription services. With thousands of licensed therapists available for you to match with, Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform to help you sort through any issue. Set goals with your therapist. They can help you make sure you're really progressing. So start feeling better with a single message. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and you'll get $100 off your first month with the promo code CLEANUP, all one word. That's $100 off when you use the code CLEANUP at Talkspace.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. I was teasing before the break. News dropped very late Monday night. Monday night. That House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has appointed... I like to stick a Q in his name. (laughs) Has appointed the five Republican members of the House of Representatives Committee to investigate the 1-6 insurrection. They're all garbage monsters. Indiana Representative Jim Banks, asshole. He will be the (laughs) ranking member, along with Jim G.Y.M. Jordan, of course. Kelly Armstrong of North Dakota, Rodney Davis of Illinois, and is it Troy Niels or Nels? I think it's Niels, but I got to tell you, I can't, could not care less. Freshman (laughs) dickhead from Texas. Yeah. Uh, I'd I'd point out, uh, these are five white guys, but I already told you they were Republicans, so... Yeah, right. And and keep in mind that the Democrats already appointed Republican Liz Cheney. Uh, That would be the only Republican who hasn't lost her goddamn mind over an armed insurrection on American soil for one of their eight slots on the committee. So um, uh, that, you know, substantially eliminated pretty much all of the diversity in the Republican Party when Nancy Pelosi did that. Um, Here's what that means. Uh, And and I know I had gotten questions uh, from, you know, some of some of our our further left members when when that happened i i praised uh that uh, you did on your show as well um uh and uh, and people said well look what if liz cheney is you know so I, here here's what it means there are 13 members on the committee there are seven democrats there are six republicans counting liz cheney so even if she's got some kind of secret xanatos triple gambit whatever backstep we will have the majority it will not prevent this commission from issuing sensible findings um and and look like it, it, we will also have um plausibly uh be, because uh virtually all of that committee's reports are are going to be eight five right? It is going to be seven Repub- seven Democrats and one Republican signing on to those findings. So uh, I, I continue to say I I think that was a smart move. Yeah, uh, and I mean it's a bipartisan group. I'm frankly surprised McCarthy bothered. I thought he was going to just sort of ignore in an attempt to delegitimize this entire select committee. So I'm actually kind of glad he nominated yeah, yeah. Uh, people. And it's worth pointing out, this is not what we were supposed to have, uh, not what even a majority of members of Congress thought we ought to have. This began as a proposal negotiated by Republican Congressman John Katko, New York 25th, right, to establish yep. the 9-11-style bipartisan National Commission to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol complex or January 6th commission. Right. That bill, the Republicans fucking wrote it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that bill passed the House on May 19th, 252 to 175. That's with the support of 35 Republicans. That commission would have had 10 members, five and five. Truly yep. bipartisan. The vote to approve in the Senate was 54-35, which again, if you're an expert in which number is bigger than the other, suggests we should have one, but we don't because filibuster, which is stupid. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so look, like that, the House did, didn't just, you know, say, oh, Senate, you got us, right? Like they went back to the drawing board and they created what is called an organizing resolution. So it was uh, House Resolution 503. And, and here's the thing. It's not a law. So it doesn't have to go to the Senate, so it can't be filibustered, right? 
Um, and, and what that does is it authorizes the House using its full subpoena powers to fully investigate the 1-6 insurrection. That bill passed a slightly more narrow 222 to 190 with just two Republicans, the aforementioned Liz Cheney of Wyoming and Adam Kinzinger of Illinois. And and I guess we should have been fair, like he, he has also been critical of Trump's efforts to overthrow democracy, as we know. So, OK, you know, look, look I, did, I would think uh, that number should be larger than two in terms of members of the Republican Party who are opposed to treason. But um, uh, but there you go. It's two. So two two's better than zero. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, this is going to become a shit show really oh, yeah. i mean <laughs> mccarthy already started gaslighting us on january 7th and now he's put put his fullest throated as you call them howler monkeys on the commission to try to gum up the works as much as possible uh, a lot of folks hadn't heard of jim banks before this but he's a monster uh you'll you'll remember him from such hits as the texas lawsuit to overturn the election <laughs> results in four states um <laughs> Or when, but although I, you know, when Chris Wallace asked him point blank on Fox News if Biden won the election, he said yes. Um, but he still was on that lawsuit. Okay. Yeah. So he, here's what he said quote, I have accepted Leader McCarthy's appointment to this committee because we need leaders who will force the Democrats and media to answer questions so far ignored. If Democrats were serious about investigating political violence, this committee would be studying not only the January 6th riot at the Capitol. Uh, I look like I, I have to interrupt myself here. It's not a riot. Okay. Sorry. Back to <laughs> banks. But also the hundreds of violent political riots, hundreds of violent political riots last summer when many more innocent Americans and law enforcement officers were attacked. Make no mistake, Nancy Pelosi created this committee, which I'm proud to serve on, uh, solely <laughs> to malign conservatives and justify, but I'm happy to do it, uh, and to justify the left's authoritarian agenda. But I'll be on it. Please let me be on it. Uh, I will not allow this committee to be turned into a forum for condemning millions of Americans because of their political beliefs. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Boy, a, a lot packed into that sentence, right? And, and, and that last sentence, uh, implicitly saying... Yes, if you want to know the the heart of the one six insurrection, I mean that 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 gives away the game, right? It is Trump supporters who believe the big lie. It's Trump supporters who think he he had. That's the only way you get to condemning millions of Americans because of their political beliefs. And let me tell you, if your political beliefs are that the guy with the fewest number of votes and electoral votes secretly won the election, I hereby condemn you for your stupid political beliefs. Right? You're wrong. So, um, yeah. Banks, uh, you've talked about him on Daily Beans. He was one of the House Republicans who voted against certifying the Electoral College vote. He was a part of the lawsuit, uh, but, you know, has sort of straddled the fence of like, well, you know, I just think there are valid concerns. But he, he was also one of the most visible Trump surrogates calling for the successful ouster of Liz Cheney uh, as Republican whip. Right? He seems to be a big Trump social climber. Um and uh, he joined him for a dumb stunt at the border last month. Like, you know, um, I, I, the less said about Jim Jordan, the better. I'm not, not going to talk about. We know what he's going to do on that committee. <laughs> and you might not have heard of Troy Niels of Texas, uh, but uh, he, he was a crazy MAGA hat wearing sheriff. Also voted against him. Banks and Jordan voted against certification of the election results. Yep. Uh, he's, in the, he's that crazy MAGA hat wearing sheriff of Fort Bend County. Uh, who ran for Congress on an I Love Trump platform in Texas's 22nd district. So he's a freshman and he's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly Armstrong of North Dakota and Rodney Davis of Illinois, they're both hard right. Uh, they both voted no on impeachment twice. Uh, they're there to break stuff. They're there to break stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we could talk a little bit about uh, Jim Jordan. If, if the, if, <laughs> do we have to? <laughs> if Nancy Pelosi given herself the ability to veto any of McCarthy's nominees wasn't specifically written for Jim Jordan, I will eat a garage mechanic shirt. I do not <laughs> think. I mean, there's two things here, right? Like, I would be very surprised and upset if she didn't veto him. But on the other hand, it's almost like don't make it look too politically partisan by vetoing him. 
I, you know, so so here's the language, right? And and but they're going to call it partisan anyway, and so that, I, that's why I say get Jim Jordan the fuck off of there. In fact, no one who voted against certification of the election results should be on this committee. And Jim Jordan is a potential fact witness. Yeah, I it, it I, well. <laughs> So much to unpack there. So let me let me try and tackle some of it. Okay, the first is we've been describing this as um, you know Democrats get eight and Republicans get five. That's not really what the resolution says. Here's what the resolution says. This is Section Two uh, A, appointment of members. The Speaker shall appoint thirteen members to the Select Committee, five of whom shall be appointed after consultation with the minority leader, right? So that's not a veto. That is Nancy Pelosi gets to pick all 13. She's got to ask you about five of them. Uh, but like ask is, okay, uh, you say Jim Jordan and I go, no, 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 come on up. Pick a, give me a real pick, right? Uh, and, and I get to laugh and, and go forward. So, so yes, okay. Uh, and, and you could take, uh, I will not pick any, I will not, approve of anybody who voted against certifying the election results um that would leave you i think with just two Mm -hmm. of of those republican five um but but i also think this is a little bit of the uh uh, you know of the 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 tractor chicken from footloose like really really I, I I love Bonnie Tyler's holding out for a hero. I'd be like, that is that I I could I could play that any day of the week. That's a great um, song. It it, it, it is. Um, and, and that is one of the most unintentionally hilarious scenes in any movie ever. Um, it, it, but but there is this this slow moving impending collision where you know McCarthy could just pull out you know take his ball and go home, um, and and uh, you know you would be left with. Uh, it truly being Pelosi naming those additional five. Um, I don't know what would happen if you named a Republican who then decided not to show up. Right. So it, it my guess, and we will, we will probably, that decision is probably going to come down. We record this late Monday night. Um, probably after we've taken a definitive position tomorrow uh, <laughs> is, is when Nancy Pelosi is either going to say, get Jim Jordan out of here or not. Um, I, I I can see it going either way equally. I I, I was just going to say I'm 50 50. Our listeners want me to, you know, want both of us to 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 actually take a a stand. So so I'm going to say she's she accepts all five. Uh, And I think the reason I think what's going to tip that is um, Banks is all is going to is already right. It's pretty smart by McCarthy to be like, I'm going to give you, you know, each name is going to be more terrifying than the last. And even if you kick off Jordan, you're still going to have Banks there to try and you know, fling as much feces as he can. So uh, so I, I, I think she's just going to give in and and uh, and let Jordan on the committee. But I, I could see I could see not. Yeah, I mean, because but, you know, on the other for the other side to argue for getting rid of Jordan, these Republicans are going to call there's a bipartisan or a, a partisan witch hunt anyway, no matter what yep. you do. So it shouldn't even be a consideration. Democrats shouldn't even be sitting around having a meeting wondering how Republicans are going to respond if she vetoes anybody uh, off the committee. <laughs> zero, zero argument uh, on that. I mean, look, like this was the party that said, you know, lifelong Republican Robert Mueller and his, you know, 13 angry Democrats. I mean, it was just, I, you know, if 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 we live in we've always been at war with East Asia. Like, I, I, I agree with you. There's no sort of winning that messaging war. And then it is like nobody could stand being in the same room as Jim Jordan. I. I'm with you. I agree with you. You know what would be fun, though, is if she let him stay on but required a jacket and tie. (laughs) That would just be fun to me. And she she could be like, a a straight jacket. We'll we'll provide one for you. We have some here in the cloakroom. Yeah. uh, from people who like, died, you know, <laughs> yeah. like when you accidentally show up at, you know, a you know, four star restaurant and they're like, sorry, I can't let you in. And, you know, in that uh, polo and uh, torn jeans, which may or may not have happened to me on multiple occasions. Yeah, that sounds anyway. oddly specific, my friend. Uh, all right, everybody, we got to take another quick break, uh, but we will be back with more stuff. You're going to love it. Stick around. Red alert. Red alert. Red alert. You crossed my line of death. You haven't dismantled your MX stockpile. Pakistan is threatening my border. That's it, Buster. No more military aid. Nuke them. Get them before they get you. 
another quality home game from Butler Brothers. All right, welcome back. Are you ready for another cock block and beat? Ooh! <laughs> All right, this is so awesome because we covered in depth on Mueller She Wrote all about Stephen Cock and how he, what he did, what he did with Manafort, uh, and and how he wanted to be Secretary of the Army. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's just absolutely a the bananas. poster boy for drain the swamp, you might say. Yeah, banana <laughs> story. Yeah. Okay, I, so, I love this. It's great. <laughs> Uh, and 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 this is all co- like it's it's great to see stuff that you've covered so in depth like kind of come to an end here. So Audrey Strauss, U.S. Attorney for Southern District, right, the Sovereign District of New York, announced today that Stephen Koch was convicted <laughs> uh, of, and I love saying his name, of financial oh. institution bribery and conspiracy to commit financial institution bribery for corruptly using his position as the head of an FDIC insured bank to issue millions of dollars in very high-risk loans, and we didn't know that at the time, how high-risk these loans were, to Paul Manafort in exchange for personal shit, right? A personal benefit. He wanted to be Secretary of the Army, among other things. I mean, he gave a big list. Yep. And and, and so this trial lasted three weeks. Uh, jury unanimously found him guilty. Uh, the official statement from Audrey Strauss, love her, reads as follows, quote, a unanimous jury convicted Stephen M. Cock of approving millions of dollars in high-risk loans to Paul Manafort in an effort to secure a personal benefit, namely a high-profile spot on the presidential campaign, an appointment as Secretary of the Army, or another highly, similarly high-level position in the incoming presidential administration. Koch used the federally insured bank he ran as his personal piggy bank to try and buy himself prestige and power. Today's verdict sends the message that corruption at the highest levels of federally regulated financial institutions will be prosecuted by this office. So, A.G., (laughs) you are my source. You covered this extensively during Mueller, she wrote, who was Stephen Cock? (laughs) Well, I think my favorite part of the whole Cock adventure is when we got most of our information, as did the feds, as did the prosecutors, when his wife divorced him through discovery. (laughs) That's the best. As you do, yeah. As one does. Uh, Now, Koch was a chairman and the CEO of the Federal Savings Bank, a federal savings association headquartered in Chicago, Illinois, uh, with an an office in New York. The bank was owned in its entirety by National Bank Corp Holdings, which is a Chicago-based bank holding company. Koch was the chairman, CEO CEO and owner of approximately 67% of that holding company. Um, (laughs) uh, But he didn't do this by himself. No, he did not. So, yeah, as we know, March of 2016, Manafort joined the Trump campaign and um, and was was chairman from from June through August, uh, despite despite Trump continuing to say that he was only there for a couple of weeks. Right. Um, and a- after he was fired, it's something that people maybe should have taken seriously voting in 2016 for his weird ties to Ukraine and Russia that were public news stories. But, you know, I guess not as sexy as. Talking about Hillary Clinton's emails, um, mm. he 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 hung around the campaign, right? Like he he was fired from the named position, but still the dude who got polling results from Donald Trump and sent them to KGB agents in Ukraine. Anyway, um, after Trump was elected, Manafort provided informal input to the transition team about cabinet officials, right? Like he's a Trump advisor. We all know that. Mm-hmm. And that sort of sets up sets us up for what Southern District of New York calls the corrupt scheme, right? Because they lay it all out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, 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 and again, uh, illustration of you you do your homework, you bring the right charges, you try these cases the right way. From July 2016 to January 2017, Cock engaged in a corrupt scheme to exploit his position at the bank and with the bank's holding company for his own personal benefit, right? So he was the guy who could come in and say, I'm going to stick my thumb on the scale. The bank will not give you these loans without my thumb on the scale. I'm happy to help you. But, but I mean, like, you know, this is this is like the, you know, the, the Beavis and Butthead. Like, I, I would like to engage in sexual behavior in exchange for money, right? Like, <laughs> it, it is, I, I, I mean, you know, the, the, the documentary evidence was, he signed off on the loans to Manafort for millions of dollars in exchange for 
a Manafort for lobbying for him for a high level Trump administration position. Yeah. yeah. And 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 Koch made these loans knowing Manafort was a super high risk. He probably wasn't gonna be able yeah. to pay them off. But that's not the worst of it. The worst of it is how far out of his way he had to go to lend Manafort this amount of money. I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd like someone to stick their neck out for me like this someday. Look, so the loans totaled $16 million. Um, that that was uh, a significant majority of the bank's cash position. Uh, it became the single largest lending relationship at the bank by far. Um, in order to fund the loans without violating the bank's legal limit on loans to a single borrower, Cock organized and orchestrated this maneuver that the bank had never done before, right? So he authorized the holding company, which he also controlled, that convenient, to acquire a portion of the loans from the bank so as to reduce the bank's outstanding balance sheet. Yeah, it, and that's not a, that's not a crime, but no, yeah. It's <laughs> terrible, though. Yeah. Uh, so we know he supplied Manafort with a list of possible positions he wanted, which included ambassadorships and, of course, Secretary of the Army. But that wasn't the only thing that he bought with his money, was it? No, no. So uh, Manafort provided multiple valuable benefits, right? So first, spring of the presidential campaign in 2016, Manafort appointed Koch to a campaign economic advisory committee just a couple of days after, coincidentally, the bank's holding company conditionally approved nine and a half million dollars to lend to Manafort. And second, in the fall of that year, while the second hunk of money was pending approval, Manafort used his influence on the transition team to recommend Koch for an administrative position. And 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 by the way, like, you know, you 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 don't have to complete that transaction for it to be bribery, right? Like just like that the hitman can miss and it's still, you know, attempted murder. Mm-hmm. Um Koch was formally interviewed for the job on January 10th. Um, He didn't get it, which leads me to believe like this guy must be even less charming in person than you could imagine. Yeah. Right. Like how how shitty do you have to be not to be Trump's secretary of the army? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, you know, I'll tell you, especially when we think about what happened on one six um, and, you know, hopefully we'll get to the bottom of that and what happened with the secretary of the army deploying or not deploying the National Guard. Uh, and, you know, to your point that you don't have to com- complete the crime, right, of bribery to be guilty by it, because that's what a lot of the defense is. You know, a, a lot of these Trump supporters, right wing trolls will be like, he didn't get the job. It doesn't count. Yes. I, yes, I, it does. So. Right. And I gave you the the shorthand answer. Right. The like uh, it, I, no, like you can it, it, it it's the attempt that's the problem, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. otherwise there would be no such thing as a sting, right? right? Like ab scam <laughs> would just be like, well, wait a minute, like I didn't get, you know, you know, like my fridge full of money. Like that dude wearing the wig and the mustache was just an undercover informant, right? So here's what the statute says, right? This is 18 USC 201, subsection B. Whoever directly or indirectly corruptly gives or promises anything of value to any public official with the intent to influence any official act is guilty of bribery, right? So what did Koch do? Indirectly promised a thing of value, right, to a public official, namely uh, to Donald Trump's campaign uh, uh, manager, right, Um, uh, in exchange for influencing Unofficial act, namely the selection of ambassadors. So, you know, this is um, this is not a hard question. No. Um, and, yeah. And, and that's why it, I'm it, keeping my eye on Roger Stone, too, because of that weird pardon Greenberg thing yep, that we all learned yep, about. Yep. 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 And then, of course, Matt Gates with his uh, marijuana legislation um, on behalf of his friend, you know, who took him to the Bahamas. So it'll be interesting uh, to see. We see these kinds of things uh, go with the time. But this is the public corruption unit, right? That's what they do. Um, now, he, Andrew, he tried to conceal his crimes. He lied to yeah. the OCC <laughs> saying he didn't know about Manafort's properties being in foreclosure before he issued the loans, which is a, a lot of what these loans were based on. 
And he also told them he never wanted a position with the Trump administration. That, that was just false. <laughs> yeah. I bet those grapes taste terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Ooh, what is the significance of, of that concealment? Because he's not charged with anything right there. Right. It's just yeah. kind of what, what but what they're there. It is significant. And, and Audrey Strauss mentions it specifically. Yep. And, and, and here's the significance, right? Like the Supreme Court in the McDonald decision a couple of years ago um, greatly narrowed the scope of federal bribery law in its construction of what constituted an official act. OK, and you might remember that was Bob McDonald, governor of Virginia and his wife, and they were palling around with like this pharmaceutical company that wanted entree and they would give them like, you know, she got fur coats and he got to drive a Ferrari for like a couple of months. And, I, you know, and there were like literal bags of money with dollar signs on it. Right? Like <laughs> it was one of these cases that felt like, well, if Bob McDonald isn't bribery, then nothing is bribery. And the Supreme Court 9-0 reversed McDonald's bribery conviction. Um, so, you know, not just his his buddies and political guy, right? Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, look, um, there's no question he took the money. There's no question taking the money is really, really ugly. But but the reason that the federal bribery statute is, is written that way is y you have to give the money in connection with intending to influence somebody in the commission of an official act, right? So it doesn't have to, you don't have to get them to do the act, but you, 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 it doesn't have to change it. They could be solidly in your corner anyway, right? Like all of those things are still there. If you try and get them to do something, right? To vote a certain way, to appoint you to an ambassadorship or secretary of the army or whatever, that counts as an official act. But entree, right? Put my arm around you and go and, you know, OK, I need to introduce you to 20 top legislators and tell them what a great guy you are. The Supreme Court said that doesn't quite count as an official act. Not I mean, I, I, again, if there's ever a time when I'm on the opposite side of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I like to think a couple of times, you know, long and hard. Am I getting this right? Um, I, I, I think the Supreme Court's ruling was overly narrow in that case. Uh, but that's the significance. Right. So in other words, if he's saying, yeah, no, I I definitely wanted to pal around with Donald Trump, but I wanted to be a big shot. But I I never wanted an official position that would then break that element of the crime. Yeah. And, and so that's the significance of why Audrey Strauss brings it up here. Is yeah. to just pointed out that he did want this position yes, and he lied exactly about right. it. That, yeah. Okay. Um, and 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 the, look, the line goes to the you you have to corruptly give or promise something of value. Ah, right. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. And that sort of shows sort of consciousness of guilt too when you lie about yeah, that shit. Yeah, kind of. Um, so what kind of prison time do you think we're going to see in this case? Because we, you know, we had that big discussion in the A block about uh, the insurrectionists getting eight months. I'm, I'm interested to know what you think about this one. Yeah, and and this is actually going to be the opposite situation of what we talked about in the A block, right? Um, so first is 18 USC 201 starts at a higher baseline offense level. It starts at an 18. Um, the second is there was no acceptance of responsibility. There was no cooperation. There was So there are a bunch of aggravating factors. Um, and the financial amounts involved here are substantial. Um, so, you know, you are looking at um, a, 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 a serious right kind of for as I look at the table, you know, somewhere between three and a half and five years uh, on this single bribery count um, would would be about my best guess that we're going to get something in the in the low 20s when, when all is said and done. But, you know, that that's going to be extensively briefed, uh, you know, over the next couple of months. Wow. All right. So what are your what if you know, what are your I mean, we haven't seen generally they, they, they put in a sentencing recommendation pros, prosecutors. Right. But when do you think we would see that? Like how 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 long do those well, take? Well, they're they're So um, it's a pretty it's a pretty extensive process. Right. Because unlike the case where you have a plea deal, right, where. Um, you know, you have extensive negotiation in the background here. You truly have an adversarial position. Right. So the prosecutors are incentivized to write up um, a, a memorandum under the guidelines that kind of walks through and, and all of these, uh, you know, aggravating and mitigating factors, you know, contain they're, they're the kind of language that we talked about before. Right. Like 
what does acceptance of responsibility mean? It's kind of vague. So there, so you have to tether that to the specific facts. You got to brief it out. The other side gets to uh, argue to the contrary. So you know, it's this is it's going to take a while. You think months? Yeah, I do. I think months. And January tenth seems to be kind of far out. Like, it, it, does it? Is it because of the? The docket? Is it because of the court? I mean, because, like, for example, Joel Greenberg's sentencing was supposed to take place, like, two months after, you know, he he pleaded. Uh, After he pled, excuse me, team pled, hashtag team pled. Uh, So why is this all the way in January? A lot of people were asking, what's the holdup? It's a a great question. I am only speculating. Um, But but my speculation is that is COVID backlog, right? Mm -hmm. So as a... I would expect that the the two months uh, is more in lines with with what I would expect. Um, I will tell you uh, in my practice, right, I had a motion that we filed right at the start of COVID. We filed it in April of 2020, uh, and I got a ruling on that last week in a civil case, right? So literally it was pending, and it was a pretty straightforward motion to dismiss, right? Like, and it took 16 months uh, for the court to adjudicate that. And the reason is, right, particularly, and this is in federal court, right? In federal court, right, you have a Sixth Amendment right to a speedy trial. So when the the courts completely shut down and they figured out the kind of virtual Zoom uh, way forward, uh, you had this sort of tremendous backlog where you've, got to get all the criminal defendants uh, uh, processed first um, or else, you know, they can argue, hey, you got to you got to let us go. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, so courts are working around the clock. It's a giant cluster bomb. uh, And um, and and that would be that's the only thing that I can come up with is the courts looking at this going, yeah, man, our our docket's a mess. Uh, You're a nonviolent offender. You're unlikely to, uh, you know, uh, Trump isn't president. There aren't any more ostrich jackets that you can give away. Like, you know, let's uh, uh, it's not going to it's not going to hurt society to to have you be floating out there for another six months. Um, we want to talk about the institutional racism inherent in those judgments. I have a feeling we could fill another podcast. On we that, could but, fill uh, an entire yeah. series on that. Yeah. Um but you that's know, my and, thoughts. And I kind of want everybody to. I kind of want everybody to know as we sit here and talk about the, you know, the intricacies of this. You know, know that we know sitting in the background is the elephant in the room, which is two systems of justice. <laughs> so yeah, I just you know I wanted to make make that clear. Um, that's always there and always a consideration, and it's, it's it never goes away. But um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm interested to see what kind of what kind of time he gets. And I, you know, I, I flippantly and jokingly said he, he could, you know, max 30 years in prison. So that, you know, that means seven months, um, you know, but <laughs> the way some shit is gone, I mean, that's where the, where the guidelines fall or where the guidelines fall. So, it, and I've, I've noticed now more than ever how uh, the media and news stations always give you that maximum potential sentence. They don't give you the max for the person. They give you the max for the crime. Yeah. And, 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 that's because figuring out where you fall on the sentencing guidelines is super hard, right? It's not like you have to you have to go to Appendix A and look up the offense, and then that sends you to a section that's like two E one point one of the guidelines manual, which is like six hundred pages long, and it 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 like. It's not it's easy. not an not an excuse for journalists not to do their jobs, but it's super easy to read from the statute that says, you know, maximum <clears throat> sentence 30 years and go, oh, he could get 30 years. Well, you know, no, I mean, you got to you got to know how to how to do the calculations and they're tough. So. Yeah. And it's just not as fun when you just say what the minimum sentence is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the minimum sentence is always like, a, you know, a fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, some of them have mandos like the True. child yep, sex yep. trafficking yep. and. All that good stuff. Um, and uh, July was supposed to be when a charging decision was going to be made in the Matt Gates case. But I think I know Greenberg has asked for a continuance on his sentencing because he's still he's got so much. He's got so many crimes he's telling them about. He can't possibly tell them about all the criming by August 19th. Think about that. You keep, yeah. He doesn't have time between now and August 19th. <laughs> 
to talk about all the crimes he knows about. I, I would be worried if I were Matt Gates, but then again, I wouldn't be Matt Gates. But um, I, it, it, and that, that actually goes to, right? Just, we could make this a, a sentencing guideline show um, that the, there is the reason uh, for Greenberg to do this is uh, that you get a, a downward departure. Um, if you render substantial assistance to the prosecutor. Yeah, well, I remember you know Flynn this. was probably going to get yep. no, like, yep. nothing. Yep. And he blew it all to shit because he knew he, he was going to get that pardon. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 almost as if the system doesn't work when the target is the president, huh? Yeah, weird. But, yeah. Uh, all right, well, thank you, everyone, for listening to Clean Up on Aisle 45. And, uh, you know... Uh, again, on the Nancy Pelosi um, putting some beans on whether she kicks Jim Jordan off the committee or not, I, it'll probably be the opposite of whatever I say. So I say she's keeping him, and that and then that means that she'll get kicked. Out, he'll kick. Her I off. was go, I was going with keep, but uh, just in the interest of us having a wager, I'll go with kick off. I I think I think we both probably are the opposite way, so it's fun to it's fun, it's like hedging, right? Like yeah, we're you devil's know, you know. advocate betting. Yeah. yeah. Right. There you go. I'm devil's advocate betting that she kicks him off. There we go. <laughs> nice. All right. The usual amount, Mortimer? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everybody, until next time, thank you so much. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed and give us a rating. Leave us a rating if you wouldn't mind. I would love that very much. I'd love to read what you have to say. Uh, and, you know, uh, like I said, patreon.com slash aisle45pod, a buck an episode, ad-free yeah. Our, our, we we need to schedule another hangout pretty soon too. We do, and we will. All right, everybody, and we love you. So, yep, yeah, we love you too. I've been Allison Gill. I'm Andrew Torres, and that's Clean Up on Aisle Forty Five. Clean Up on Aisle 45 is written, researched, and produced by Allison Gill and Andrew Torres with editing by Molly Hockey. Our art and logo designer by Joelle Reeder and Moxie Design Studios, and our music is composed and performed by Adam Orr. Clean Up on Aisle 45 is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, visit mswmedia.com.